All right, you guys. Well, hey, I, I just got back from India last week, and, and man, what a great time it was. I got to spend some time with Moses, um, and I, I spent a few days with him. I'll talk a little bit more about that next week. But uh, one of the really amazing things is I had a chance to sit down with, with these three guys that while my wife and I lived in India, God gave me these three men that, that I, I discipled, that I became friends with and, and helped them in their relationship with Jesus and helped them in, in, in growing. And it was such an honor and such a thrill to get to sit down with these guys and they're working with Muslims in Bihar, India. Bihar is a, is a state of about 100 million people. Living, living in a state geographically the size of Northern California, if you cut it off at Sacramento and went north. That's about the size, 100 million people. And about 20% of them are Muslim. And, and, and very few, if anybody, are trying to reach these people. So you've got a lot of Muslims there and very few people trying to reach them. And so God used Nicole and I and our family to, to really just catalyze in these three guys, a heart for reaching the Muslims around them. And one of the most beautiful things, you guys, and, and, and I hope you realize I'm not bragging about us, Nicole and I. I'm bragging about what God has done because it's something impossible. But we have multiplication taking place. Isn't that amazing? That, that the three guys that I'm working with, they are training others to follow Jesus and how to do that, how, how to become a disciple maker. So we have disciple makers training disciple makers. And we have Muslims who are reaching Muslims who are reaching Muslims. Dozens and dozens of Muslims have made professions of faith. Some of them have followed through with baptism. And some of them are making disciples among Muslims. And it's an amazing, beautiful thing and it's a, a crazy mess. It's a crazy mess. Like, what do you do when a, a Muslim man comes up to you and says, uh, you know, uh, should I stop beating my wife? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, which one? What? <laughs> Um, yeah, what do, we, what do we do with that, you know? And, and there's all these things that we come up against. And, and what our commitment was is we're going to stick to God's word and we're going to show them the truths of God's word and let the spirit of God and the word of God bring about all the changes that he wants to make. And, and it's actually happening. So you know that God is faithful and he's working. Even when we're not there, he's working because his spirit is there. And that's just kind of a little segue into this morning. We, we spent some time, my, my Indian brothers and I, we spent some time in this passage. And God just put this on my heart for our church in this season, for this morning. I believe this is a timely word from the Lord for you. In whatever situation you're in, God wants to speak to you from this passage this morning. And it's found in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians 6, would you open that with me? We're going to look at Galatians 6, 1 through 10. And Galatians, go ahead and open up there. Galatians is one of those crazy books where Paul, the, the apostle, he, it's one of his harshest books that he writes. It's a letter that he writes from jail. He's in prison as he's writing this, and he's writing to these Galatian believers 
And he writes to them and, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> and he's writing to them and he's saying, you guys, you're being tricked. You're being misled. How could you possibly think that, that grace and following Christ is all about grace and what Jesus did for you was all his grace, nothing you've done to earn it, and now you're trying to earn it? If you receive Jesus by grace, what makes you think you can live for him apart from grace? You see, there were people that were legalists. There were people saying that you need Jesus plus circumcision to follow him. You need to become like me to follow Jesus is kind of what they were saying. You need to be more like me. You need to do the things that I agree with or that I want you to do. You need to follow this, these seven steps so to speak, to follow Jesus. And Paul is writing, and the first few chapters are a blistering attack. He lets them have it. He says, you guys, you guys are acting like fools. Because it's always and only ever will be about Jesus' work. That Jesus, though he was God, he became one of us, and he lived a perfect, sinless life, and it was his work. He laid down his life on the cross. He paid our punishment. He took our place. It was all his work, and when he was crucified on the cross, that was him taking our punishment and our shame and our guilt upon himself. And he was crucified for you and me, separated from God for you and me, because that's the punishment you and I deserved. And when he rose again, there was that promise of new life that anyone who is in Christ will die to himself and live to Christ and live forever in Christ. It's all about Jesus. And he, he says, you guys, you idiots. <laughs> what are you thinking? Come on, get your head right. Remember what Jesus did and what it's all about. And so he starts out talking about these things and he's talking. Now remember the context is to a group of people. And in chapter 5, he talks about the Spirit of God and living in the Spirit and what that looks like. You see, anyone who's given their life to Jesus really has a choice to make. You see, we have a sinful desire, sinful fleshly sort of things. We could look at the natural. You remember a few weeks ago we talked about vertical living in a horizontal world? Well, we could, we could be horizontal people. But, but he's saying, no, to live vertically. And this is what it takes to be filled with the Spirit, to live in the Spirit. And he talks about the, the fruit of the flesh. Things like anger, hatred, sexual immorality, all of those things. We see it all the time, don't we? But he's talking to believers here and he's saying the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. And this is what it's about. When you live with the Spirit, this is what you, what you reap. This is what comes out of you. This is what happens. Now look with me in chapter 6. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He starts out saying, and the first thing on your, on your, uh, 
on your outline if you're paying attention, if you're going to fill this in. We are all on the same ice. We are all on the same ice. What does that mean? What are you, what are you talking about? Well, here's what I'm talking about. When I was uh, a senior in high school, we, my, my basketball team, we went to a, a tourney, a, a tournament in Bernie. We called it the Bernie Tourney. Okay, you guys know where Bernie is? It's up in the mountains. A lot of crazy people live up there. If you're from Bernie, you know what I'm talking about, okay? And if you're in Bernie right now, then God bless you. Please keep listening. All right, but listen, we, we got out of the van and we were ready for our game, okay? We're, we're starting a tournament. It was like a Friday night or something, a Thursday night or something like that. And so we got out of the van or the bus or whatever, and I remember vividly the guy in front of me, there's about four or five guys in front of me, they get out and they're walking across the parking lot and boom, they just fall right on their you-know-whats. And I saw the first guy fall, and I, we all just laughed mercilessly. We laughed at this guy because he just fell, total sprawl, right there on the parking lot. Then the next guy was laughing, and he was walking, and then he also fell. And we just were laughing and laughing and laughing. I still remember it to this day. And I thought to myself, you idiots. It's Bernie. It's February. Of course, it's cold. It's icy outside. You guys got to be careful. And I remember thinking that and saying that as I was walking. And guys, that ice was so crazy slippery. Even as I was judging them, even as I was saying, you guys are idiots. Don't you know how to walk on ice? Whap! My feet, just something happened. They just shot out from under me. I fell flat on my back. And, and everybody just laughed. And we were all just laughing and hurting, bruised, because we were all on that same ice. And it's really easy to see the person struggle and fall and say, you idiot, look what you just did. you got to be careful. And then not realize that you're on that very same ice. Have you ever been there? You see, he's writing to the Galatian churches. And he's saying, you guys, listen, the path of legalism is a path where you look at each other and you look at each other's behavior and performance and you judge them based on that. But the path of Jesus is realizing that we are all sinners. We are all on the same ice. And we are all people that need a redeemer. We all need a savior. We all need somebody to rescue us. And if you think that you're good on, in yourself, then, then you just miss the whole point. And so he's writing and he says this first thing that he says, this is really important because of the context and what these, this church was struggling with. He says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Now remember, the goal is always to restore. When you see somebody struggling, Maybe they don't even see it themselves. And they're struggling. Maybe they're, they're, they're having a hard time. Maybe they haven't been to church very much. Or maybe they're just struggling with priorities or something's going on. What do you do? Well, 
with gentleness and love. You who are spiritual. That means that you're thinking spirit-filled thoughts. You're, You're letting the spirit of God lead you and guide you in what you think and what you say and what you do. You who are spiritual should restore that person. It's always about restoration. It's never about you looking better than them, ever. It's always about restoring that person, and that should always be our heart, and it should always be a heart of gentleness. Whenever you see somebody struggling, this is what we should do as a church. This is what we should do as individuals. And then he says in the next verse, and I love this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens, and in doing this, you fulfill the law of Christ. There's a contrast in this verse between the law of of circumcision, the law of the, the legalists, and the law of Christ. Do you want to know what Jesus ordered us to do? Do you want to know what his command for us was? It's repeated over and over and over again. It's to love one another. To love God and love others. In fact, Jesus didn't even separate the two. In loving God, we cannot love God without loving others. And this is what he's saying. This is the law of Christ. And when we bear one another's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ. So we're all on the same ice. Verses 1 through 6. We're on the same ice, and it's the same in our burdens. Verse 2. That's that next line there to fill in. Burdens. Now, it's not saying that your burden is the same as mine, okay? But we all have them, don't we? You might be here, and and you might be listening to this, and you have a heavy financial burden right now. And there might be some of you here that, that actually have some really heavy relational burdens right now. Your heart for your son is broken. Your heart for your daughter your heart for your husband or your wife or your father or your mother or some relationship in your life, your friend, and your heart is broken. You've got this heavy, overwhelming burden that's really just too much for you to bear. We are all in that boat together. Did you know that? You might not have the exact same burden as me, but you do have a burden just like I have a burden. And what the command here is, is to share each other's burdens And in doing this, you you actually become who Jesus commanded us to be. You see, in that first verse, we're all on the same ice. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that, that there's no new temptation that you're struggling with. There's no, Satan's not a creative person. He distorts truth. And so if you're struggling with a sin, if if there's a temptation, if there's a struggle in your life, guess what? It's not new. You're not the only one struggling with that. I bet you if we were to, to just get really honest and vulnerable right now and, and you said, this is what I'm struggling with, and we said, anybody else in here struggle with that? I bet you we'd have a lot of hands go up. Pretty much about everything that you're struggling with. You see, there's no new temptations. We're all on the same ice. And that, just, that applies to, to our temptations, our struggles, but it also applies to our burdens. We are a people that need a savior. And not just a savior to save us from hell. We need a savior today. We need Jesus today. To 
to help us live, to help us walk, to help us manage this life. And the next thing that we see is in verse 3. We're all the same in our position. Here's what I mean. Here's what he means in verse 3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Pride is very deceptive, isn't it? It's through pride that, that Satan, Lucifer, was able to convince himself that he could be like the most high God. It was pride. And through pride, we really trick ourselves. We trick ourselves into thinking that we're something that we're not. And, and honestly, remember the slippery ice thing? If you're like sitting here and you're thinking, yeah, that person's got a lot of pride or, you know, they all struggle with pride. We're all on the same ice. And he's, he's saying this to all of us, that if you think you're something when you're nothing, you deceive yourself. See, here's, here's the point, is in Christ we all have the same position. Do you know what that is? <laughs> Saved. In Christ, we all, we're all in that same boat. It's amazing how Christ is this, uh, this ultimate equalizer, isn't he? Because in Jesus, we're all brought high, and yet at the same time, we're all made low, right? In Christ, we are royalty, but in Christ, we are slaves. Do you understand? That's what Jesus just, it's what he does. And, and if you think that you're this, it really in Christ, you're this. If you think you're somebody high and somebody great compared to Jesus, really? We are all in that same position. And that's the position that we are sinners who are saved by grace. Not, there's not one exception. We need a Savior. And, and so if you see somebody struggling or if, you, or if you see somebody in pain or if you see somebody with a burden... You've got to remember what God has saved you from, what he has forgiven you from. There's nobody high and mighty in Christ. He alone has a place of authority. He, ha he alone has a place of glory. And it's this strange paradox that in Christ, we're both royalty and servants. We are sons and daughters but we are sinners who have been forgiven by a great and mighty God. Does that make sense? And then he says in the next, next couple verses, we are the same in, in our work. Okay, look with me in verses 4 and 5. But let each one test his own work, and then, let, uh, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Now this is, this is kind of confusing. And I read through this several times and, and, and read through some commentators and stuff because this sounds like what? Everybody focus on their own work so that you can boast about your work? Like that doesn't seem like a healthy thing to do and it also seems like it contradicts exactly what he said in the verse beforehand where if you think you're something special, you know, remember, you're not. But I think a great translation of this is found in the New Living Translation. It says, pay careful attention to your own work. For then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself with anyone. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. 
The idea is we all have work to do. Did you know God has given you a load to bear? He's given you work to do. It's not the same work as me necessarily. God doesn't call us all to the same exact work, but he's called us all to his kingdom. He's called us all to serve. He's called us all to sacrifice. And so we all have a job to do. You have a job to do in his kingdom. Did you know that? You have a job to do. And so what he's saying is, don't focus on wanting this job or wanting that job, but what has God given you to do? Do it with all your heart. Don't be comparing with others. I think comparison is a disease that we have in our society, don't we? We look on Instagram or Facebook and we see everybody's highlight reel. And we think, oh man. It's, I, I know some people that it looks like all they ever do is take vacation. Because that's really all I see. All I do is eat and take vacation. But that's all you see on social media is you see a highlight reel. You see people when they're, they're all dolled up and they have their makeup on and all those things. And, and really, it, it just it creates this disease that's really just rampant in our culture of comparing ourselves to one another. And I feel like, like I'm better if, if I, I look better compared to other humans. What he's saying here is there's one comparison for you to make. There's one standard for you to look at. There's one standard for you to follow, and that's what does God want of you? Is he pleased with your life? Is he pleased with the work you're doing? Is, is this your heart? Or are you looking at others for worth? Are you looking at others to affirm you? And what he's saying here is don't slip in to comparisons. God has given you a job to do. Do it with all your heart. Do it as unto him. And then you don't need to compare. Then you don't need to, to get prideful or discouraged. And I love that that, that word <coughs> in verse 5, in, in the Greek there, <coughs> it says, For each will have to bear his own load. That word load is different than the word for burden in verse 2. Did you know that? Verse 2, the, the word for burden is this severely heavy load. It's, it's a heavy burden is what it's talking about. Something that one person cannot carry or should not carry. But the word in verse 5 for load has to do with a, a backpack. And in the culture, it, it represented a soldier would have his load that he would carry. And it was something that was maybe heavy, maybe it was tough, but it was something he could do and was expected to do. And God has given each of us a job to do. He's given us each a load and it's separate from the burden. Do you understand? So in our service, in our honoring him, in our work, we, we do that with all of our hearts and we do that to the Lord. But with our burdens, we share that. We help one another out in that. Do you understand? In verse 6, we are all the same in responsibility. You see, the reoccurring theme from verse 1 to verse 6 is that we're in this thing together. We are working together. We are helping one another. And then in verse 6, he says, let, each, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. 
What he's saying here is share with one another, help one another in burdens. And in verse 6, he says, don't forget those that lead you in the Lord. Don't forget those that teach you the word of God. And he's writing to this church. He's saying we're responsible to bless one another, to help one another, to share one another's burdens. We are responsible for this. So here's all these things. We're all on the same ice. And then the next couple verses, I just want to wrap this up with these powerful verses. And this is what was really, this is what really meant a lot to me. Is it's in this context that we see verses 7 through 10. Would you read those with me? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he also will reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. Don't be deceived. I love that. He, he starts, he's, he's saying, guys, listen, don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever you're sowing is what you're going to reap. Now, I've heard people talk about this in the context of giving, that if, if, you're, if you're sowing and you're giving, then, then you'll also reap a harvest and all that. And, and that may apply, but I think the context here is he's talking about the culture, he's talking about the community, and he's saying what you're putting into it is what you're going to get out of it. Now, I want you to think about this in two levels. First of all, let's, let's look at the personal focus of this. Let's look at the personal level of this. What are you sowing into your life right now? Just the fact that you're listening shows that you're sowing something spiritual, and that's a, a good, exciting thing. But let's look at your, your life. Let's look at the last week. What did you sow? What, what sort of words did you sow? What sort of attitudes or thoughts or actions did you sow? Because he's saying God will not be mocked. You can't deceive yourself. Don't, don't be deceived that God is not up there. The facts don't lie. What you're going to put into this, this world, what you're going to put into your life is, is honestly what you're going to reap. And he's saying, don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Whatever somebody is sowing, that is what he's reaping. So I'm, uh, let's, let's get really practical here. Let's look at your kids. What are you sowing into your relationship with your kids? What are you sowing into your relationship with your husband or your wife or your coworkers? What are you sowing? Now, the problem is, is it's an incessant thing. You see, we, we can sow a hundred good things and then sow one bad thing and totally blow it, right? I've done that. Thank God for his redemptive work and that he's, he makes up for what I lack as a person, right? 
But he's saying what we sow is what we're going to reap. And then in verse 8, he says, if we're sowing from the flesh, if we're just kind of living on our own strength and our own power, if we're speaking from our own voice and our own heart, if we're just doing things on a horizontal level, then that's what we're going to reap. It's going to be destruction. If we give in to the temptations, if we give in to the the, the struggles and the, the pride and the anger and the, the lust and all the different things, if we give in to that, we will reap destruction. But if we live according to the Spirit of God, if we live filled with His power, if we speak according to what the Spirit of God is giving us to say, if we hold true to what He's saying, if we sow those words, if we sow those actions into our relationships, that is what we will reap. If we sow that into our lives, that is what we will reap. And it's the same, the context is relationship, and this applies to our relationships and our community of Christ followers here. What are we sowing as a church? Where is our priorities with our time? You see, what are we sowing with our priorities? What are we sowing with our time? What are we sowing with our, with our money? What are we sowing with our words, with our actions? What are we doing as a church? What are we sowing into each other? What are we sowing into our community? You see, whatever that is, that's what we'll reap. That's what we'll reap. And then he says something beautiful. And let us not grow weary in doing good, in living in the Spirit, in following the Spirit, in sowing for the Spirit. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Now my question for you, first question is, what are you sowing? The second question is, have you lost heart? And this is an honest question because life gets difficult. For my brothers over there in India, it's lonely a lot of the time. They're working with, with difficult people, people that don't even really want to hear about Jesus sometimes. And it's hard. It's, it gets discouraging. It gets frustrating. And, and the point, though, is you can't lose heart. Are you sowing what's right? Are you sowing what the Spirit is giving you to sow? Then don't lose heart. Don't get discouraged. Don't give up. Because in due season we will reap if we don't give up. Do you understand? So he's talking about this idea of relationships and how we work with one another, how we respond to one another. I want to ask you about your kids, your son your daughter, what are your burdens for them? What are the difficulties? What are you sowing into their life? Have you given up? Have you lost heart? You see, I wanna remind you, this is God's word for us this morning, to remind us, whether it's your brother or your sister or your uncle or your whoever, your neighbor, don't lose heart. Keep sowing to the Spirit. Keep sowing God things. 
for in due season. In due season. What that means is maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but the promise, the law, is that you will reap if you don't give up. This is a promise. This is a law. You can rest in this. Whatever it is you're sowing, whatever it is that, that you're struggling with, maybe it's somebody that needs Jesus and you've been praying and praying and praying and sowing spirit stuff, sowing spirit stuff and sowing spirit stuff into their life and you've been doing this maybe for years. Don't lose heart because in due season you will reap. It's in the word if you don't lose heart. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, that's what he will reap. You can, you can rest assured in this. That God is working and he is strong. Have you lost heart? Have, have we as a church, have we lost heart? We just had this amazing experience with our community, serving our community. Dozens of our people worked hard to, to put on this fall festival. We had hundreds and hundreds of people from our community, probably well over 600, come to this. And, and we just had a party for our city, really. That's what it was. We just, we just threw a big party and we had a ton of candy and we just loved on our city. Now, is this something we should be sowing? Is this the kind of church we want to be? Are we sowing that into one another? Are we making time for one another? Are we bearing one another's burdens? Are we sowing good spiritual things to one another as a church? Or have we lost heart? Sometimes it's just really easy to just, you know what? I'm just not going to go to church. I'm not going to go to life group. I'm not going to do this or that or whatever. And we get discouraged. We lose heart. And my, I, I guess what I'm saying is in the name of Jesus, let it never be. May it never be here. That we cling to the promises and we obey his commands. And we know that God will come through. In due season we will reap if we don't give up. This applies personally, but it really the context is as a community. Have we lost heart? I've got a friend, a friend of mine. It's been really cool to see for four years. He's been working hard to get this job. And he's been working and working hard and working hard. And for years I've known this guy. And uh, you just kind of think to yourself, well, I hope you get the job. But, I mean, that was a couple years ago and you still don't have it. And you know what he just kept saying? I know God's going to work it out. I know God's got this. He's going to work this out in his time. And this week I got a text from him. I got the job. I finally got the job. It was four years of sowing. You see, God comes through in his time. And I don't know what it is that he's, he's doing in your life. I don't know what the vision is, what the, the heart is, what the burden is, or whatever it is. But if you... If you sow spirit things, if you follow the spirit, that is what you're going to reap. In due season, you will reap if you don't give up. In due season, 
Your child will come back to Jesus if you don't give up. In due season, this church will grow and disciples will be made and, and God will bless and God will do impossible things. In due season, if we don't lose heart. Have we lost heart? May it never be. I'm reminded of just one thing that's really awesome. I just love this. I remember when my son was just a little guy. Now he's, he's big, man. He's getting strong. But uh, two, three years old, he would come with me to church because it was my job to set up stuff at, at church before every weekend services. And, and he would come with me to help me. As a two or three year old, he would come with me just to help me. And I remember, I remember working with him and it would be one of those things like, hey, here's an here's a instrument cable, I need you to carry this over to there. And he would do it, he would carry it and, and maybe drop it or you know, unwind it or something. And he would move chairs, we would just do all these things and I had to redo almost everything that he did. But in his heart, he was helping me. You see, that's, that's something that we forget all the time. That when we're working for our Heavenly Father, when we're working with our Heavenly Father, guess what? He has to redo most of the stuff we do, maybe. We mess it up all the time. Who do we think we are? But He's there. He's with us. It's His work. He cares more about it than we do. He's stronger than we are. He has a future and a hope and a vision that maybe we do or don't have, but he sees something so much bigger and he's going to take care of it. All we have to do is obey our Father. All we have to do is work right alongside our Dad, our Heavenly Father. And in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. See, our work, our side, is very small to pray, to, to try, to obey, to stay close to God and his word and his commands. God's job is everything else. Our job is small. His job is big. If you are faithful, if you are sowing spirit things, he will do the heavy lifting in our church and in your family. This is the law, the law of the Lord. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you're sowing, that is what you will reap. Don't lose heart, brothers and sisters. I love that he wraps it up with that last verse, verse 10. And so... Let us take every opportunity to do good to one another, especially to those who are of the household of faith. You see this whole thing he's talking about is about a faith community working with one another, helping each other, lifting each other, working, and serving one another. Would you stand with me? What's God doing in your life? Have you lost heart? Is he wanting you to just, just be reminded this morning? Maybe you've been sowing fleshly things. Maybe you've been doing some things that are sowing destruction and you need to change course. Let this time be, let it be right now that you change your mind, that you, that you allow God to do that hard work in you, that powerful work in you. 
But have you lost heart? Have you given up hope? I love this song that we sang earlier. <laughs> Christ is risen from the grave. No matter what, no matter how bad it gets, he's still risen from the grave. And forever we will sing, Christ is risen from the grave, and because he is, I will be too. Let's pray together. God, we give it all to you. Lord, what are we sowing? Lord, bring that to our attention. Lord, what are we, what are we doing? What are we pursuing, God? Bring that to our hearts and our attention. Lord, individually, relationally, and as a church, God. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would work in us, that you would encourage us, that you would embolden us, that you'd give us hope in a future, that we wouldn't quit, Lord, we wouldn't give up, we wouldn't lose heart, but we'd be reminded that you are working, that you are bigger and you are stronger, you are with us. Lord, we don't have to manage it all, we don't have to do it all, because all we really have to do is just help you, just to follow you, just to listen to you right now. Help us to do it, Lord, give us the strength, in Jesus' name, amen.